I keep having this visual of like every decision, every relationship, every, every aspect of my life is kind of this row of dominoes. So I'm constantly trying to shrink back this, this row of dominoes on every decision and every relationship. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Welcome to the Enneacast. Wait, you're yelling. (laughs) Why are you yelling at us? Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Guys, it's the episode about the nines. Are you guys excited? (laughs) So we've been waiting all season. Sam asked me to stop yelling. We're not going to like that. So here we are. It's good to be with you, peacemakers. (laughs) Hey, just a reminder, if you've not yet listened to the Type 9 episode from Season 1, we want to encourage you to go back, check it out, because it's like Enneagram 101. This is more like Enneagram 201. So just a reminder, Type 9s, the peaceful person, when these folks are resourceful, they are diplomatic, they are patient, they are great mediators, and they are non-judgmental. And when we're non-resourceful, we can be passive-aggressive, indecisive, self-belittling, and we avoid conflict like it's our jobs. (laughs) We don't avoid our jobs. We avoid conflict as if that is what we get paid to do. (laughs) So this season, we're asking the question, how can I change? And before we move on to the good news, we first have to acknowledge the bad news about ourselves. So nines, it's going to be okay. But here's Sam, (laughs) a fellow nine, to deliver the bad news. So as we know, nines are in the gut triad. And for those in the gut triad, our primary struggle is the issue of guilt. And for the nine, guilt leads to the deadly sin of laziness. So let's talk about the top three particular ways that this deadly sin of laziness can manifest itself for type nines. And we're going to call these the three problems. So problem number one, ignoring your own desires in order to go along with what others want. So the problem is that nines have a lot of their own desires and wants and wishes, but they default and defer to other people with such frequency that they eventually just begin to ignore and sometimes not even have an awareness Mm -hmm. of their their own wants and desires. You know, it's not uncommon for nines to find themselves around more dominating, more decisive personalities. But the real danger to that is, nines, if you're not also saying what you believe and what you think and, and what your preferences are, then you will lose yourself in the process. And not having a self, that's a serious problem. Okay, so that's problem one. Problem two, avoiding conflict in order to stay comfortable and connected relationally. There's this fear of if I were to bring this up, then what would happen? Would I would I be disconnected? And so um, they would just rather kind of to hunker down and to avoid conflict because at least I can stay a part of this team. Yeah, and avoiding conflict all the time, like that has serious consequences as time goes on because mm-hmm. there are things that you feel deep convictions about that you're allowing other people to trample over your boundaries. And conflict is just, it's a necessary thing in order to change as a person. And so avoiding conflict all of the time in order to stay comfortable and connected, that has serious consequences as life goes on. Yeah, it's just inevitable. Okay, that was problem number two. Problem number three, having the tendency to not act or not change when it comes to your own priorities. So of all of the types on the Enneagram, we actually say that nines 
are the most stubborn. And that is because nines, if they're not healthy, they do not like change. Mm -hmm. And they will utilize their gift of patience as a weapon because they will wait out everyone else. The the refusal to to budge on certain issues, they'll feel non-essential, they'll feel non-vital, but it I think it's the soul's way of saying like you've swept us up in too much stuff we're holding tight to these it may not make sense and it doesn't make sense in the context of of how i feel in other areas or or seasons of life but nines can really fall into stubbornness about their own time their own resources their own um, engagement with others and their own contributions to other things in in ways that maybe other types don't have the same level of stubbornness toward okay so that is the bad news uh but we're not going to leave you there god does not leave (laughs) us in our bad news um but he brings us good news uh nines are in the gut triad and they struggle with the issue of guilt well what is the remedy for guilt it is god's forgiveness because it allows a nine to be able to step out knowing that i might make some mistakes but it's okay because God's forgiveness will catch me and accept me. And I can show up with myself, even my flawed self, because God's forgiveness is there to meet me. So if a nine can truly accept and believe that through Christ's death, that your sins and your shortcomings have been forgiven, then your guilt will heal. And then you can move from a posture of laziness to a posture of exertion. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is part of it. Yeah. So nines, it's just a wonderful reminder of you have a part to play. You know, you are a part of this community and we need your presence because your presence makes a difference. We need you to show up. The rest of us need you. So don't shy away from the fact that you have gifts and you have a self, and the rest of us need you to be a part of this. So let's explore what living a life of exertion looks like for a type nine. So we're going to take those three primary ways that the deadly sin manifests itself for this type, and now we're going to explore specific ways that God invites us out of our false self and into our true self in Christ. So we're going to look at each problem and offer solutions for that problem. And just to note here, we've adapted a large portion of this teaching from Beatrice Chestnut's The Complete Enneagram, but we've infused it with Christian theology. And listen, don't get overwhelmed by all the stuff that we're about to say. Uh, We're going to throw a whole bunch of ideas at you. Just pick one or two things where you're really going to concentrate your focus. Okay, so problem number one, ignoring your own desires in order to go along with what others want. So the first solution for this problem is practice remembering that you have a self. It's going to feel foreign, but go and make a list of hobbies, what you like, what you don't like. It will feel kind of implicit to you. You won't feel like it's necessary, but getting those out on the paper will allow you to see what are the things about me that I can kind of vouch for? If people were to describe me to someone else, what would it, what would it be that they say? Yeah, and it also helps the nine move out of a broad vagueness and into a specificity because who you are, that's details. That's There's there's specifics to that. And so writing all of that out, you're describing a person and you're describing a real person and that person is you mm-hmm. and you have a specific self. Okay, the second solution is ask yourself what you want and ask others to ask you too. So this one, uh, this one can be a little tough for nines at times because if you ask a nine, well, what do you want? They'll go, I don't know, or nothing, or what do you want? Or, but it's really important that the nine does the work of asking themselves, 
what do I want right now? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the first answer might be some version of I want to go escape this or I want to (laughs) go lay down or I want to go relax. We encourage you ask beyond that. Ask beyond just a temporary Band-Aid solution to whatever anxiety you're feeling in the moment. Ask that question at a deeper level. What do I want out of my life? Mm -hmm. A modern Enneagram asks this good question, and it says, is this a situation in which I'm completely fine with any outcome, or do I actually have an opinion? Because if you give yourself long enough, and if the people around you will ask you uh, for your opinion, they want you to be specific. They're not asking because to be polite, they're asking because they want to know you. So if this is really something that you're indifferent about, that's one thing. But if you do have an opinion, practice, what would it look like for you to make that opinion known? What's the worst that could happen if you asserted yourself today? Okay, finally, the third solution is make up an opinion instead of having no opinion. I do this all the time. Like, and it's because nines, you have this really good gift at seeing both things as equal, you know, worth and value. If it's if it's a choice between two restaurants, well, I really like them both and I know I'll have a good time at both, then just pick one. Find some other metric in which to make your decision, which, you know, is the most convenient or which will take the less time or which one have I not gone to lately? You know, I think there's other ways for you to, to decide and have opinions. Yeah, nines are really comfortable with gray space. And what we're saying is this is move out of the gray and recognize there are some areas where you can't survive in gray. Mm-hmm. You, you need to have some black and white areas where I definitively want this. And uh, to Sam's point, like, I don't know what I think. Just choose something. Mm -hmm. Just start practicing. Really, it's not even about whether your judgment call is correct or not. It's really about practicing having a self. Mm -hmm. And selves have opinions. And so it's showing up and saying, "Uh, sounds great. I'll take this item. Or I want to do this thing. Or I don't want to do that. Or can we do this? Like, it's just choosing something. Yeah, this experiment is less about uh, you figuring out which one is the actually the best and more about seeing what happens in your relationships when you show up and you assert yourself and your opinions. Okay, so that was solutions for problem one. Let's talk about problem two. So, Jesse, what is problem two? Problem number two is avoiding conflict in order to stay comfortable and connected relationally. So the first solution is learn to see conflict as something that brings people closer. Okay, a long time ago, uh, I realized that when I do counseling and coaching with nines, that a lot of times if you start talking about conflict, they get really, really uneasy. Mm -hmm. But there's a trick. Ask them about their favorite movies or their favorite books or their favorite stories. And a lot of times what happens is they begin to describe these characters that go through conflict. They start talking about these characters that go through these series of conflicts and how in the end the character is transformed and changed and they become a better and more realized version of themselves. So what we're saying is nines, embrace that for yourself Begin to see conflict as something that actually will bring you a lot closer. And there's something beautiful that happens when we go through conflict and when we go through grief together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nines, we have a fear of disconnection and a fear of being left out. So Nines, conflict is a way to actually feel more connected with people because you're showing up and saying, hey, I have a problem here. Like, I need you to meet me halfway on this, you know, and it's it's going to feel scary. It's going to feel like you've never done that before, but it's what brings people together. Okay, so that was the first solution. The second solution is tap into your anger as a means to be more direct. Our anger scares us because it feels unpredictable, uncontrollable. And if I were to get angry with these people, what would happen? 
challenge that idea, you know, challenge the worst case scenario thinking that you might be stuck in about showing up with anger, because to you, your anger will feel like you're at like a 500. But to the rest of the world, that anger will actually probably register much lower. It'll actually be seen as like, oh, like you're here, you showed up today. It won't be as intense as you're experiencing it in your body. And it won't be as intense to the rest of the world, it will actually just feel probably like you're at the caliber that they've been living at this whole time. Um, our friends at Crosspoint Ministries say, whatever you disown owns you. And for all the Enneagram types, there's something that they're tempted to disown. Sevens are tempted to disown pain. Eights are tempted to disown any sense of vulnerability. Nines, you guys are tempted to disown your anger which is part of the reason why you struggle with stubbornness because stubbornness comes out of anger. Mm -hmm. You're mad. You're mad that certain demands are being placed on you. So begin to tap into that anger because if we don't acknowledge it, then it's going to control us. So you got to say you got to say what you're mad about out loud to other people. You need to bring it before God. And again, specificity, specifically what it is, what is it that you're angry about? Okay, finally the third solution, start by giving and receiving feedback. In other words, start moving towards conflict simply by participating in conversations where you show up with an opinion and the other person has an opinion and you begin giving feedback and they begin giving feedback. Naturally and inherently, that is called constructive criticism. And so for a nine, giving that kind of feedback and receiving that kind of feedback is a way to begin moving towards healthy conflict. Uh, Start small, start with really, you know, inconsequential things, start with trusted friends or, or secure relationships that, you know, won't go anywhere and say like, hey, can I give you some feedback on something? Or, hey, I've been thinking about this. Can I share this with you sometime when you have uh, more free time? I really want to allow space for this. You know, take baby steps. And just a note here, it may feel like this conflict or this feedback is actually going to threaten this relationship. But just because it feels like it's a threat to the relationship doesn't mean that it is. Perception of feeling versus reality of the situation are not often the same thing. Okay, so that's problem two. Let's move on to problem three. Problem three, having the tendency to not act or to not change when it comes to your own priorities. Um, So up until this point, you know, we've given you a lot of problems and a lot of solutions. And nines, if you're like me, you're already feeling overwhelmed. So for this one, there's really only one solution to remember to keep track of. So the solution is see how constantly choosing comfort can ultimately lead to discomfort. Uh, It's important for you to ask yourself, what happens if you don't take action? Where will your life be in a year, five years, longer than that? Is that the outcome that you want? Because if it's not, then the steps and the decisions that you're making today do have consequences and they will catch up to you. Yeah. I mean, just remember this, that small choices of inaction. So remember, inaction is action. But small choices of inaction over the course of a lifetime, those things catch up with you eventually. Mm -hmm. It's very, very common for me to meet nines that are in their middle-aged years, and their life is not going great. You know, they're struggling because maybe a marriage has ended or a couple of marriages have ended, or it could be a scenario where they're just really hacked off. Like all that pent-up anger that they've had for all those years that they've never actually let out and addressed and talked with other people, that eventually like it kind of goes off like a bomb. And so just remember that like if I embrace a little bit of discomfort each day, I can save myself a world of hurt as Mm -hmm. the years go on. But every single day that I choose to not engage in things that are going to make me uncomfortable, you can't run from it forever. It's going to catch up with you. Inaction is action. So if you're going to do an action, do the one that's going to have a better long-term payoff. I have a story. So I missed a dentist appointment and 
uh, the lazy part of me just like never scheduled another one. Yeah. And yeah. they would call and they say like, hey, it's been about six months. You know, I was like, oh, okay, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And it was at least three years before I went to the dentist and I had all these cavities, you know, like, or I had issues and they were like, you know, when's the last time that you were here? And I was like, oh, it's been, you know, been a couple of years. And, and because I constantly chose comfort and constantly chose, you know, procrastination, I had consequences. I had to go to the dentist. I had feelings, you know, all these things happen. And that's just a tactile example of what happens relationally when we don't do those checkups, you know, quote unquote, every so often with ourselves and with the people around us. Yeah. Yeah. So go to the dentist and go to your heart dentist. <laughs> the dentist super, for your heart. <laughs> super weird analogy, but but we'll roll with it. <laughs> okay, well, when we come back, we will be talking with recording artist Ryan O'Neill of Sleeping at Last. Stay with us. So I think sometimes we have like unfair expectations of ourselves and the world around us about change. Like it just takes a while for us to change as people. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't happen overnight and we need space to really lean into our stories and each other and to really grow together. And so to that end, here is my former teammate, Daisy Cooper, and what she had to say about our time in the program. That personal growth is something that doesn't go away. It like keeps happening. I left OTN knowing how I relate is how I relate, like to people and to God. But yeah, it's just like I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not done this and done the hard stuff. Like, was it easy? No, it was hard. But it was so good and so rewarding now. I'm just looking back on that. So if you're in a season of life where you're ready to step out onto a journey of following God, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood for a summer or a year. If you're looking for a social justice internship supported by Christian community, go online to our website, lovethyneighborhood.org. Read about all the amazing ways that we will come alongside you and help you on your journey. Lovethyneighborhood.org. Apply today. Hey, welcome back to the Unity Cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Our guest today is Ryan O'Neill. Ryan is a singer-songwriter, producer, and composer who works under the band name Sleeping at Last. His music can be heard on many popular TV shows and films such as Grey's Anatomy, American Idol, Criminal Minds, and The Twilight Saga. He's collaborated with Van Dyke Parks, Smashing Pumpkins, Switchfoot, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and many more. His most recent work is Atlas Year Two, an album which explores themes of human development and includes a song for each of the nine unique Enneagram types. And he is a nine on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you so much. What a what a treat it is to get to talk to you guys. Yeah, so obviously because we talk in breathe the Enneagram all the time. We <laughs> love your Enneagram project. Oh, thank you. That's incredibly encouraging to hear. Um, just a note before we get into anything, is Sleeping at Last, like the band name, where did it come from? Because it feels like a nine's like... It's like the nine's <laughs> name ever, right? <laughs> like the you know, dream that's of the so nine. funny that you mentioned that because I, I, as I'm writing my type nine song right now, and uh, since I am a type nine, I'm realizing the irony of that name. <laughs> like, yeah, I never, all these years I never put that together before until now. So it came, I, I've had the name for a very long time. And I actually came upon it as a, a kind of as a, a joke. I was I was with a, a friend at a bookstore and uh, was like, I need I need a name for the music. And um, so I was like, all right, I'm whatever page I turn to in this poetry book is going to be the is going to be the name of my music from here on out. And it was a poem called Sleeping at Last. And uh, so I was like, Haha, that's pretty 
that's pretty great. Okay, I'll keep it. Really? <laughs> so, wow. Uh, yeah, and I've had it for a really, really long time, and it is interesting because the the older I get, the the quieter and uh, sleepier my music gets. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's funny. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's like a it's a tell of like where your music's headed. It's like you know, yeah, last song would just be like a lullaby album. <laughs> <laughs> that's the culmination. Your, your retirement. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about about the Enneagram. So, Ryan, for you, what was it like the first time that you heard about your type? Like, what resonated with you? Yeah. So it's interesting because I feel like, I don't know if this is a, a typical nine experience, but, um, you know, a, a friend of mine introduced the Enneagram to me, his name's Chris Hewitts. And he, one of the first things he ever said was, you'll know which type you are based on reading the descriptions and, uh, kind of doing a little bit of research and whichever one hurts the most is likely your type. And, uh, so when I came upon nine, uh, it, it definitely 100% resonated with me, but it didn't hurt. I just, I, I, if anything, I felt it for every other type. Uh, and I actually went through different periods of feeling like, maybe I'm a one, maybe I'm a two, maybe I'm a three. Right, right, right. <laughs> every wow. every song I wrote, I'm like, oh, I totally can see a little part of myself in, in this too. Um, and it wasn't until this last month or two that I uh, sort of cracked it open and, and actually looked at the, the the reality of being a type nine. So for you, like what resourceful traits of the nine do you enjoy the most? Yeah. So I'm really trying to figure out the strength. So I, I have friends that are type nines. And um, so I can I can more clearly see the beauty of the type through through others. And uh, I, I think that the just the general gift of empathy, I think it's it's born with every person. And I think the type nines somehow are able to live into it. And uh, so, yeah, I would say empathy and I would say just the general easygoingness, I think, can be uh, pleasing for other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's no doubt like, you know, that uh, peace, uh, being peacemakers, like that th- those are things that we're called to be as people. And I think like I think nines reflect so much of that, you know, to the communities around them. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've sort of had an obsession, uh, and I think it comes from that nine part of me that uh, really just likes the color gray. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a there's something part of that that sees all sides that can um, appreciate and value and kind of blend together all of the the, the different. Like I, I see gray as like a really beautiful color rather than a uh, colorless color. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so this season we're talking about how we as people can change, and and of course, like we don't need to change things that are good. We need to change things that are problems. And so, the struggle of laziness is a struggle for nines. Like, where do you think that that struggle comes from? And for you, like, how do you know when you yourself are being lazy or slothful? For me specifically, um, I definitely can tell that the areas that I am uh, lazy is is like the self-forgetting aspect of the type nine. Like I, I don't take good care of myself. I don't take care, good care of my body. I, I recently was on a, on a trip and um, I, I finally, I don't know why it took me this long to realize it, but I, I figured out like a routine for my day that I think is really helpful for me as a type nine to, to remember these things. And it's to, to take the triad, the, the head, the, the heart and the body, and to try to do something good 
try to make some good contribution to my head every day, some good contribution to my heart every day, and some good contribution to my body every day. So some of those things are, are super simple. It's going for a walk or a run for my body uh, or eating eating a little better, making a choice to have you know a, a healthier meal. And then uh, for my head, it's, it's, you know, spending a half an hour reading or watching a really beautiful documentary or um, like all of the BBC, uh, you know, David Attenborough documentary series are, mm-hmm. th- those are such a <laughs> spiritual experience for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. um, that one can, that one fits not only into the head, uh, but I also feel like I get something in my heart out of that. And, uh, and then for, for the heart, I, I spend time with my kids. And so I'm, I, I think in even realizing that, oh, I've been kind of lazy to all three of those main parts of who I am. And so I try to, uh, I've been, I'm actively trying to change that and make, make some better decisions for myself. I'm also practicing, uh, saying what I want now, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really, really hard. I don't know for you if that's a, if that's a real challenge or not, but, um, I, I don't even know most of the time. So for me to have to like challenge myself to, okay, first figure it out and then express it. <laughs> yeah. I know it feels so, it feels so like rudimentary to have to like make a list of things that I actually like and then like keep them at the forefront of my mind that way when people say like, Hey, like, where do you like to go for this? Or like, what do you do for fun? I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, and I just, like, <laughs> let make me consult my, my, my menu of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like in a bin in like the storage unit, like, you know, the yeah. basement, like it's just so far exactly. away. Where did yeah. I put that bin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, I totally resonate with that. And I think that's why, um, one of the, um, solutions that we offer is to just like make up an opinion until you actually have one. Yes. I know. Fake it till you make it. it it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and something that I've been, I've been kind of um, thinking through for, for my own life, but also uh, in the process of writing kind of my story in my, in my type nine song is this idea. Like I keep having this visual of like every decision, every relationship, every, every aspect of my life is kind of this row of dominoes. And I feel like the way to shrink that row of dominoes to make sure that I can understand where everything's going to fall, to make sure that it doesn't fall in a way that's, uh, that turns into a conflict or a fight or any of that kind of stuff, I, I kind of my magic trick is to eliminate any dominoes that I might have contributed. So I will like if, if, it, if it is an opinion or, an, uh, you know, if I if I say a certain thing, I will just not say it and I will just hold my opinion back. So I'm constantly trying to shrink back this this row of dominoes on every decision and every relationship which is totally totally missing the point of being a person that's alive and <laughs> and understanding that you can't control the outcome of anybody or anything so but i'm also kind of being honest with myself and realizing that my need for control of how those dominoes fall is actually it, it's a control problem i think it's an unhealthy practice and i think it if anything it probably adds adds quite a few more dominoes at the end because of how it complicates relationships and decision making. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good analogy. I think it's a really helpful picture. And that's that's right. Like that's the problem we just talked about, you know, back in act one, you know, that ignoring one of the problems for nines is ignoring your own desires in order to go along with what other people want. And so this picture of removing dominoes, you know, is basically like, well, I'm just along for the ride, like whatever happens here, but at least I'm not contributing to the problem. But as you've said, all you're really doing is taking the domino out of the middle section and moving it all to the end. And it's just going to be quite the finale. <laughs> so. Right. It's, a, it's totally true. And I think I think it's ignoring it, it. It's like trying to quit the game before the game finishes. You know, what I mean? like you, you change if you change the rules of a game, it doesn't mean that you won. <laughs> it just means that you quit playing. And that, that for some reason, I've always looked at like 
oh, it's just it's it's over accommodating and or it's 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 an accommodation. And even if it wasn't over accommodation, like the, the intention is still good uh, to not decide something or to like be open minded. But I think it's actually shortchanging relationships. Yeah. Accommodating still has this idea that you're going to you're going to be present in it. You know, like when I think of someone accommodating, I think of just like scooting my stuff over, but staying at the table. But but I think nines can have this idea of like, I'm going to scoot so far out of the scope that I've disappeared. And somehow that's going to be a, a gift to their friends. But really, somehow that's a good thing. Yeah. Which right, but, objectively, it's terrible. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's not what people are asking. And I think nines perceive like, oh, I need to make space for this person. So I'll just let them fully absorb into me and I'll lose myself. And and I think only whenever community can come around and say like, hey, like we need you to show up. That's the transformative way forward for the nine is to see like there are consequences to being selfless and not in a way that's like a humble thing, but like a lacking of self. Well, we, we proposed a few solutions to this problem. You know, are there any of those solutions that you either have been practicing or you want to begin to practice? For me, the learn to see conflict as something that brings people closer, that is so exotic of an idea. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like pure insanity, to be honest. Um, and But I, I completely, I, I see it in everybody else's life and I, I want that. So I would love to be able to practice that in my own life in a way that is uh, actually, you know, action forward <laughs> and not just a concept in the back of my head because everything inside me screams when those, when those moments come up and there is like an important conflict that needs to happen. Every part of my body is telling me to to run, so it is it is truly a, an effort. So I would love I would love to actually see it and uh, be able to recognize it as something that brings people closer. Yeah, yeah. I think nines have to remember that of all the types, they are the most adept at sensing conflict, and therefore they're the most adept at being able to overcome conflict. You know, like when there is a disagreement, like nines are the bridge builders, they're the reconcilers. Like they're gonna fight to find common ground, even if it takes a while. So problem three is that nines have the tendency to not act or to not change when it comes to our own priorities. So does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, it does. It does entirely. I would like to not have that resonate with me, but it completely does. Probably in this last few months of, of digging in deeper into the type nine, I don't know that I would have been able to admit that change is really difficult for me. Like there are certain things that I don't want to change. Like I don't want relationships to fall apart or <laughs> things like that. But I think that it is, uh, there's a deep connection to if I can keep things as they are, it's manageable. And it's, uh, it, again, not to keep hitting the, the domino metaphor over and over, but uh, it kind of keeps the the board the same, you know, it keeps the same rows of dominoes and it's a very, very large board, <laughs> but it keeps, it keeps all those exact, it keeps the familiar close. And I think that that's uh, that helps me feel like if I can keep the familiar close, then I'm keeping the, the scary, unfamiliar conflicts away, which is not true, but that's what it feels like. Well, then let me ask this, like for you, what does it look like for you to choose discomfort over comfort? I think that in my marriage that has taught me that lesson in my, uh, in, in being a parent, I don't think that <laughs> there's a lot of parts of being a type nine. And I would say of being any type, of course, that having kids will instantly be a major challenge to any of your, <laughs> right. any of your coping mechanisms right. yeah. or any of your baggage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like for me, it, it definitely choosing discomfort, you know, just being a dad, sometimes you, you have to say not to do something or like they're, they're, it just, it, it changes the, the day-to-day -day outlook of, you know, keeping, keeping your, your universe quiet and all of the equilibrium 
you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in check. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that, I think that any relationship, especially marriage and uh, being, being a parent will pose some major damage control on that, on that plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I noticed that a lot of nines after they become parents, they have a greater ability to be more adaptable than before they were parents because of the reality that kids vomit and kids cry in the middle of the night and, you know, kids fall down on the playground. And there's a real time kind of responsiveness that I think parenting really sort of draws out of nines that may not have had it beforehand. So my recommendation on that, I just want to make sure uh, I'm not saying all nines need to go have kids. I, mean, that's what I, was, I just want to clarify that. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, I think that they should, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the official quote for the episode, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing to uh, put a mirror up to your own selfishness than uh, than having children. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, let's ask, let me ask you this one last question. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is just the guilt that people in the gut triad struggle with, that, that they feel the weight of the sense of, I did not do something I was supposed to, or I did something that I wasn't supposed to. And I know that, you know, hearing all of these problems laid out for a lot of nines, I'm sure like it triggers guilt. But one of the things that, that we believe is we believe that God responds to our guilt with his forgiveness. You know, so for Ryan, for you, like, how does God's forgiveness impact you personally? Yeah, so it comes down to grace. I think that as I'm writing each of these these Enneagram songs, I'm realizing that that's sort of uh, that's sort of the answer to every type is like the the only way to move forward and actually make your life better is is that grace towards yourself and um, and I think that knowing that God extends that to us is is a huge gift because as we're as we're talking about all these problems with the type nine and with with each type uh, the Enneagram starts off not telling you how great you are but how telling you how, all of your baggage and where it all lives and what you need to do to <laughs> to get rid of it and um, to, to move forward and I feel like understanding that you you do need that grace is such a huge part of finding your way and and doing the hard work of uh, being a healthy human being. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we'll be playing What's Your Number with Ryan O'Neill. Stay with us. In today's episode of the Enneacast, we're exploring type number nine, the peacemaker. And peaceful people, They have a really strong desire to be a part of the community. But sometimes community just gets a little difficult. If you'd like to hear the story about what happens when people try to build deeper, richer community with each other, check out our other podcast, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number five, where the gospel meets community. It was like so much tension, but we were like all trying to suppress it. Man, these... People don't understand me. It was so starkly different from most of what missions teams experience. So I feel like some of that has definitely transitioned into my adult life. And then that's when kind of all hell broke loose. So subscribe to the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Just search for Love Thy Neighborhood or head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Welcome back to the IndiaCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And now it's time for What's Your Number? (music) 
Okay, our game today is called What's Your Number? This is based off a real game by the company Player10. You can find What's Your Number by going to player10.com. You can also buy it on Amazon. Okay, so here's how you play. Ryan, I'm going to read you a card, and then you're going to rank what is on that card from 1 to 10. 1 meaning that you absolutely despise it, 10 meaning that you love it, and you want to keep that number to yourself. Then Sam and I are going to try to guess what number we think that you've ranked this thing. Uh, wow. we'll, we'll take turns saying our guesses out loud. We can't pick the same number. And after we've each taken a guess, then you will reveal what number you've chosen. And whoever guessed the closest gets a point. Are you ready Love to, it. Ready to play? Don't just pick five for everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny because I, I actually, so I, I love movies and I go I go see as many as I possibly can and I rate them. And I just realized recently that my rating system is significantly flawed and I think it's a, it's a problem with the type nine because I won't give a movie, even like the worst movie I've ever seen, I won't give it like lower than a 60%. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, there's, something's wrong with the my system. The scale can so. go further down. Yeah. 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 yeah, there are some movies that definitely are lower than 60%. <laughs> they get a lot of points just for trying. Yeah, that's right. That's movie. right. Okay, here here we go. Topic number one, double dipping chips in salsa. Double dipping chips in salsa. So one, you hate that. Ten, you love it and think it's wonderful. When other people do it, typically? Is that what the... We're yeah, I guess at? it's when other people do it. Just yeah. communally yeah. at a Mexican restaurant. Okay, I've got my number. Okay, so ladies first, Sam. Um, so I'm trying to think about, you know, Ryan has kids. Germs maybe cannot be something that he's warding off as much as he typically would prefer. So I'm going to say four. You're going to say four? Yeah, I'm going to say it's not his preference, not his choice. If he could, he would stonewall and kind of keep things where they belong. But I think he has to make some accommodations now. Okay. I'm going to say that he mostly sometimes doesn't care but cares just enough that if he sees somebody doing it repeatedly, he may stop eating the salsa. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm going to go with three. Yeah. So, Ryan, what's your number? Wow, you guys are really good. I'm not going to lie. So it was four. Um, oh, but my first Sam, one, I so first good. put three and I'm like, no, I don't care that much. Four. <laughs> nice. <laughs> my brain was, my, I immediately felt three or four, but I, I didn't think that he would despise it as bad. So I, I went with four. So. <laughs> well yeah, done. My you nine powers. <laughs> that's a nine connection. Uh, that's right. Okay. Topic number two, re-gifting. Re-gifting. One, you hate it. Ten, you love it. Okay. Regifting. Can we clarify if you are the giver or the recipient of a regift? Uh, the the general the total practice of it. Yeah. So it could either be you've received a gift and now you're going to forward it on, give it to somebody else, or you've received a gift that you know, like you Was just saw them receive it at their birthday party, and then now it's in your hands. Okay. So regifting. I have to give two numbers, and I think Ryan will too. No, you can't. You I'm, can't do that. You are breaking the rules. No. <laughs> Then I'm going to go with five because to receive a regift is the worst thing possible. But to give away a regift, that's super convenient. Like, Oh, my gosh. So I, I have to go with five. <laughs> that is the biggest double standard I've ever heard. I'm sorry. Okay. I think generally speaking, crap, <laughs> Sam, you probably are right. Uh, I'm going to go with four because I think that Sam is generally right, but I can't doesn't go with care six. for it. <laughs> Generally doesn't care for it, but do I think he would do it? 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Ryan, what's your number? Is five. Oh wow. my gosh! I'm, I'm blown away. And it's for that exact reason. It really depends on if are you the are you the giver or the receiver, and then also, does anybody know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you get it and house? you don't know, then there's no problem with it. So it's a five either way. If you know that it's a regift, you're like, oh man, then it'd be more like a two. But since you don't, you don't usually know. So it's a five. Sam's body language is screaming right <laughs> yeah. now because she affirms everything so you're excited. saying so this much. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Ready? Yep. New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. So one, you hate it. Ten, you love them. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm good. Jesse, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I don't need your pity. <laughs> okay, New Year's won. resolutions. Um, I think that he probably makes one or two each year and then doesn't do them or starts to oh, do them you. or starts to do them. I'm just trying to I'm trying to be honest. Uh, maybe starts to do them, but then like all of us, it's not exclusive yeah, to nines. Yeah, yeah. Like all of us, um, you know, life right. happens. So I'm going to say four. I'm going to say six because I think that nines are pretty optimistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I love like New Year's. I love like seasons and what like a new thing represents. But I also know that since New Year's occur in the winter, it's really hard to start something new. So I think personally, this is my personal philosophy, that New Year's resolutions just start with spring and not in the middle of winter. But I think Ryan feels like a certain hopefulness around a new year and what it could bring. So I I think that he would rank New Year's resolutions generally as six, maybe higher. But I think he also knows that follow through is hard. So I don't know that he would give it a 10. So the resolution (laughs) is great. But maybe the enacting the, the action of the resolution oh, might be a little challenging. Yeah. Okay. All right, Ryan. Okay, Ryan. What's your number? Oh, guys, that's that's all really good. So my number was nine. Oh, I really love likes them. New Year's resolutions, but I didn't. Uh, it wouldn't be a nine as far as follow through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do love them, and I totally agree with you that they should start in the spring. I feel like we should. I would sign that petition in a heartbeat that we should move New Year's Day to May first or something. But that's exactly it because it is really hard to actually follow through with anything in the winter. But then at the same time, <laughs> I'll argue the other side <clears throat> because I'm a nine. <laughs> um, at the same time, the winter Christmas is over, you know, the holidays are past. So you're kind of, you, you finally have a minute to like breathe and think like, okay, what, how do I want this new clean slate to look? But I, I totally agree with you guys. I, I find so much hope in new year's resolutions and just new year's in general. So, well, Sam, you cleaned house. I Congratulations. Did. <laughs> well done. It's almost like you understand nines. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Okay, so uh, so we're going to end each episode of the season by asking our guests questions from our listeners. Okay, so this question comes from E. Seals, 1996. They ask, how do you find the energy to do the things you need to get done every day? That's a great question. I think that the the type nines in my life that I know, including myself, are actually really, really, really driven and motivated people, which is weird. It just is, I think that that, that sloth or laziness or whatever, again, it, I think it, it's more about like an internal care for yourself and asserting your own opinions and stuff. But I feel like finding the energy to do stuff, it's, it's definitely difficult 
because of how much energy goes into suppressing, you know, feelings and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't have a hard time mustering it for, uh, for things that I love doing. And I, I happen to get to make music and I really, really love doing, doing that. Even though I like to complain about it a lot too. My, my family is the recipient of my, uh, this song is the hardest song I've ever written, <laughs> which is every song. Every song. Like, yeah. So tired. I can't get anywhere. Do you, do you make a lot of lists? I do actually. I, I this is a more of a recent development. In the last few years, I make a lot more lists. I think it's my one wing, <laughs> but I I really like lists because it it helps. I think things get really scattered in my head, and it helps to put them in one place. And when I can see like, wow, almost all all of them are done, or half of them are done, it make, it makes me feel. It gives me a false sense of like productivity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes a real sense of it. So this is something I've been exploring a lot. So yes, there is, I don't have any difficulty with, with energy towards, towards things and, and doing a job and, and all those ways. But I, I will say that there is, there is a part of like accessing the heart or um, fully allowing like every part of me, my, my, my mind, my heart and my body be like a part and be like there and fully there with my kids or with my, with my family or any of that kind of stuff. Um, that's something that I, I feel like I, I'm really trying to be honest with myself about, uh, cause I feel like nines, because they are easygoing, it, it's easy to appear like you're leaning on your heart when, when, when it's almost like a autopilot a little bit. So I'm really trying to let my heart show up in, in more of my relationships. And in that way, it is hard to find energy. Well, actually, that's really helpful because the next question, so this comes from Just Brad 987 and he asks, uh, how can a nine best respond to an emotionally charged situation? How can they work on their heart triad to inform their response? Ooh, that is a great question. I think it's really, really, really important to, to put that front and center in everything that at least in my life, that's, that's like my, my, if we're talking about spring, uh, new year's resolutions, <laughs> putting, putting my heart as like the, 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 the leading force of my life is something that I really, really desperately want to do. And I kind of, I had this big realization, uh, this last couple of weeks that I don't think I've done that. And I think that the, you, you read a lot about falling asleep to yourself or, um, the word sleep or asleep comes up in every single Enneagram type nine, uh, writing there is, and it is sadly true. And the thing that I was most asleep to, I think in my life, probably since I was a teenager was this, uh, letting my heart kind of lead and that, it, cause it's dangerous to do that. It's also vulnerable. It's also, um, it's just, it's, it's harder to, to lead with your heart. So to, to walk into emotional conflicts or to walk into emotionally charged situations, it's, it's very exposing and it takes a lot for us to do, but it's so important, I think for everyone to do it. But I think for some reason, type nines have a harder time leading with that. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, I mean, Sam, for you as a nine, like how do you respond to emotionally charged situations or how do you want to be able to respond to them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to know. It's hard for me to detect generally when something is emotionally charged and I, that sounds confusing but i think i have the tendency to just assume that that things are lower stakes for people than they actually were in the moment you know so i think for me it's like oh they've cooled off or they aren't as charged up about that anymore so it doesn't seem to be a big deal but for most people um especially people that have a more i guess that are tuned into emotions with with more accuracy like emotions do dictate and do um matter like more palpably to to the friends and community that I have around me. So as far as like being a bystander to an emotionally charged situation, I think 
nines should remember that there's something happening where these two sides aren't agreeing on something. And if I feel like that they are missing each other, like I need to say something and I need to say like, I think you guys are closer to each other than you think. You just need to talk about it more. Or I I think you need some time. I don't think that you guys are in a posture to receive what's happening right now. So I think uh, it's a it's a trick to remember. Like my my piece here isn't to have another opinion. That's not going to to bring reconciliation. It's to say like all the things that you're saying and all the things that you're saying are not too far off base. I think that there's some common ground. I think it could it be possible that this is where we can land on this. Um, so we've not really talked a lot about uh, anger yet, but this question, uh, his name is Luke, and he asks, what are some healthy steps to handling repressed anger? And what is the difference between healthy awareness and paranoia look like? I can only talk from my experience, but anger is definitely this this very very strange thing. I I hate it to be honest. I I really I don't like seeing it in other people. I I really don't like seeing it in myself. And it is a very rare occasion where I actually allow myself to get angry. And like any emotion that you bottle up for so long, when it comes out, it it's bigger than it needed to be. You know, I've realized that I I feel like in in there are certain situations in my life where I've uh, kind of looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, of course I was. I, I, I let myself get angry in that situation because I could. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the, it was a safe environment to get angry. A friend of mine in a group that he is a part of, they they made him set his phone timer uh, so that every 15 minutes in this group of conversation, he had to say some opinion. <laughs> so his timer would go off and this happened like all day. And he, he says like, that's the quickest way to access my anger. But then by the end of it, he ended up uh, sharing like, legitimately uh, sincere and uh, honest feelings. Like, I think he was even surprised. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I uh, easy solution for me in dealing with anger is to have friends who are eights that notice I'm angry before I do. And they like say like, we're going to go for a drive and you're going to hit something. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm ready to do that yet. But they're like, no, you need to do that. And then you like, turn into a rage monster. And <laughs> right. like, oh, maybe I was you mad. To have a, you just need to have a container where you can healthily express that. And so I think you, you're right. You're spot yeah, on. absolutely. A, a few friends of mine, um, they're t- type eights. Uh, and they uh, like they talk about how like boxing is this place of like it just like even just punching a what is it called? A bag? Yeah. What is it? What yeah. is that <laughs> called? Punching a, a punching bag. Yeah. But even that, like it, it I, I think that because eight is our is our type nine neighbor, I feel like there's something to learn to expel some of the the anger that we might be feeling. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, Ryan, this has been fun. We really we've really enjoyed the conversation with you. Thank you so much. Oh gosh, it's been so fun. And as I said, I'm writing the lyrics for this type nine song. I'm about halfway there, a little less, and um I'm still trying to figure myself out. So, <laughs> so it's helpful. It's really helpful to be able to process out loud, even as I'm like, yep, none of that's true. What I just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, thank you to our guest today, Ryan O'Neill. I want to encourage you check out his songs about the nine Enneagram types. I know that on the surface that might even sound like a kitschy thing or something, but it's not. The songs are amazing, and the hope and the intention is that these these lyrics and these words and these melodies and this music, that somehow it's it's resonating the deeper, truer part of each of the nine types. You can find all of Ryan's music by looking up Sleeping at Last on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you listen to good music, or by going to sleepingatlast.com. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry, who trains Sam and I in the Enneagram. To learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats, visit crosspointministry.com. 
Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Come serve with us for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself, Sam Stevenson, and Rachel Zabo. Engineering and editing by Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. 